This week's episode is sponsored by Carrie Brigham Designs. Carrie Brigham Design provides lavish, bespoke interior design service for the discerning clientele in Naples, Florida, and beyond. Their personalized approach exceeds clients' expectations, and they work on new construction and also large-scale renovation and offer turnkey decorations. Agents, have a buyer in the luxury market. Take Carrie and her team with you to your next showing and allow their expertise in design to help your clients visualize their next home purchase. Check them out at CarrieBrighamDesign.com. Also be sure to follow on social at Carrie Brigham Design or give them a call at 239-261-1720. Their office is also located at 5117 Costello Drive, Suite 1, Naples, Florida, 34103. Also sponsored by the Doors Open Connect app platform. Come join our growing community and network of professionals, licensed real estate agents, free to download on the Apple App Store. We'll keep more doors open so your deals stay closing. Hello, this is Deshaun with the Doors Open Connect podcast, and this is my co-host, Ricky Haas, or as he likes to say, Rick Haas. Don't call him Ricky. Um, Unless I'm off the clock, then you can call me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for tuning in, and uh, let's get into it. Let's dive into the meat and potatoes, as we like to say. Hey, Rick, we've had a we've had a great weekend. Um, we got past Thanksgiving. We did all of that, and now we're on to the next. Right? We're uh, we're we're jamming. What we what do we do? We went to Patrick's uh, Patrick Dearborn of John R. Wood. We went to one of his open houses in Tallis Park over Sunday. Um, Beautiful spot. Gorgeous, gorgeous guys. If you want an elevator that will take you straight to your condo, uh, that's the place. And you to walk go. straight on the balcony, and there's bald eagles flying around. Oh man, <laughs> as he liked to say, uh, bald eagles mating, right in the background. They weren't. They weren't. They were. <laughs> they were just flying around. <laughs> All right, let's dive in. We've got a great guest with us today, um, and we're really looking forward to this. Let's play a little intro music and get it started. Yeah. Billie Eilish was all the wonders back in the day, huh? Well, last year? So, our next guest today, today we have with us Carrie Brigham of Carrie Brigham Design. Carrie received her interior degree from Florida State University in 2008. However, she knew she wanted to be an entrepreneur at the age of seven. That's crazy. Welcome so much to the Doors Open Connect podcast, Carrie, and we, we're happy to have you. And uh, this is quite the setup you have here. This office is beautiful. Thank you so much. It's really exciting to have you all here in my design studio. This is awesome. We got a, I mean, TV in the background. Basically, you come in. I, I don't even have a house, but uh, I want to design something right now by just being here. <laughs> So why don't we uh, dive in and you tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, your background. We want to know Carrie. How, how did you come to this, uh, this beautiful office and this space and business? Sure. Well, I'm Carrie. I have been working and designing in Naples for the last 12 years. I'm actually born and raised here, so I moved back here right after college and um, have basically hit the ground running since I graduated uh, from Florida State, like you said. Um, 2008, right? In 2008. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's been forever ago. But I started out as a design assistant, really got my feet wet in the first job that I had, and then, and then I kept going from sort of 
place to place. I designed as a design assistant, then I went into um, millwork fabrication and sales with a cabinetry company in town, and then went to work with a high-end designer. Loved it. Wasn't really what I thought it would be. Went into sales. I've sort of, all of the different positions I've had throughout the last 12 years have sort of led me here. And um, after working for one nice firm for five years, I opened my business about four years ago now. Wow. So how young were you where you were like, this is what I want to do? What was what was like around the age? Technically seventh grade. Seventh grade. So tell us about that. I had to decide. Really, I, my mom always asked me what I wanted to be when I grow up. And then I always answered as an architect or an artist or something creative. And I had to choose my curriculum in high school. So I tailored all of my classes to AutoCAD and drawing and art. So it sort of just evolved. When I went away to college, I again had to choose a major and I really didn't even know what it exactly was at the time, but it just felt right. So I chose interior design going into college and then stuck with it. And it really sort of meets all of my sort of dream job wish list check boxes. And which is, that's all, that's kind of crazy, you know, there's so many people, um, you know, we're, we're in, in the entrepreneurial space. So we talk to a lot of folks and, and a lot of people at 20, even in college and stuff, they switch their degrees multiple times um, to f- figure out who they really are. So I think it's, just, you know, it's extremely, I mean, it took me a long time, it took me to 34, 35 to even kind of figure out what I love, which is obviously help connecting uh, people. But you knew what you wanted. You, had, you were passionate about this at seven years old. That's, that's phenomenal. Like, and to, to push it and see it through, um, very impressive. And I, nobody picks entrepreneur at seven years old. Nobody thinks, you know, about running their own business. Most people are like, you know, I want to be like me, for example, growing up, I want to be a firefighter, yeah. you know, but I never thought about entrepreneur, um, like you did at seven. So that's pretty, that's amazing. Well, I came from nothing, so I really didn't have a choice. <laughs> I, everything I have today, I, is a direct result of my own work. Nobody gave me anything. Nobody handed anything out to me it's sort of I didn't have a choice so So. when you say you came from nothing I feel like that (laughs) hits a note um you know whether it's upbringing or you know maybe uh can you explain that a little bit of course there's a ton of different versions of coming from nothing and I guess um sort of in my (laughs) my dream reality um of course my mom worked so hard single mom she did everything she absolutely could for us. Did I have every single thing I ever wanted? No, I had shoes on my feet, a mm. roof over my head, which is plenty for everyone. But I just have always had this yearning for wanting more. And um, when I turned 16, I thought I would have a BMW in the driveway, and I had a 1988 Golf. Okay. <laughs> so I've always wanted more. I also laugh because anything I ever pick out is always the most expensive thing, whether it's fabric or uh, paint or uh, accessory or art. I just have a natural knack to choose the most expensive option. You know, we call that we call that good taste. Yeah. Yeah. But I I have a little bit of that in me, too. Right. Because when back in the day, growing up in Michigan, we weren't always, um, you know, we we were poor to a degree. I mean, I remember Christmases where we had the church had to donate and give us stuff. Um, and I would wear hand-me-downs and clothes and things of that nature. But 
one thing I hated the most was with my and and I hate that I this this is a, a working work in progress, but I hated the off brand, right? Like off brand <laughs> syrup. Well, you know, whether it was Spartan brand, I wanted the log cabin syrup. And then I never could figure out why we couldn't have. And then my mom would always have to explain it to me. This is because we can't afford so, son. You know, this is what we got. We don't get the good pancakes. We get pancakes, okay? But when I moved to Florida and I chased my own dreams just to get to um, where we are now, but to, to Naples, I I always want the the, the bet it's either I, I get what I want or I don't nothing at all exactly I'm all or nothing right yeah. there with all you. or nothing that's that's mm-hmm. you know where I'm at and I wish it was a happy medium I wish I was a penny pincher but I just can't I'm like hey, if we're gonna go we're gonna go we're gonna go big yeah so let, let's talk about like your your schooling for interior design is it is it like a uh, like a two-year degree a four-year degree is it so, a certificate what what does that entail wish I could define what interior design was in a sentence. It's impossible. There's a million different versions and descriptions, and everybody has a different idea of what it is. Um, so for schooling, you can, of course, go and get an online certificate in a couple of months. You can go to a community college and get a degree in two years. Um, I chose the route of a bachelor degree in interior design, so I went to a four-year university also because I had bright futures and 75% of it was paid. So I wanted to maximize that opportunity and have the classic college experience. So I got a four-year degree in interior design and a minor in art history. Now let's say, let's say you're not starting up your own interior design company. Um, the four-year degree, of course, will get you paid more when you go to work for a company, correct? Um, or does or does it, or does the four year more so um, give you more insight into interior design? I can definitely tell the difference between somebody who um, has a couple of years of experience and somebody that has a four year design mm-hmm. degree. But I also say that um, you're not a designer until you are a designer, and then design a really talented designer. It just comes from within. So you could have no years of schooling and be an incredible designer and um, ultimately make more money. It just depends on your own personal talent and abilities. And is that is that a degree that's only offered by certain schools or is that a pretty common degree? Um, I think it is pretty specific between universities. Um, I don't think that every university has a design program. Is that why you cho- chose Florida State, or is it just because they're the best college football team in Florida? Sorry, I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Um, so it came, what it came down for me, just open book, honestly, is um, I just applied to one school, <laughs> and I got in, so I didn't bother going anywhere else. But I'm sure that UF has a great pro- program and FSU has a good program, UT, University of Tampa has a nice program, um, and then there's some different art institutes around the state that has the two-year program. And you mentioned uh, a program, Bright Futures. I'm guessing, is that a scholarship? Yes. Is that something, do you, do you know if that's, if we have any listeners that might be interested, is that something that is still around, or maybe you don't know? I, I'm sure that it's still around. I am not super cued in on what the current offerings are, but around, I don't know, what was it, 17, 18 years ago it was. Okay. Yeah, that was one of them when I was in high school. Oh, is it, it's for any program? Do you remember? So Bright Futures is funded by the state, 
and so you have to be a Florida resident to receive it. Okay. I think it's ultimately funded by the lotto for some reason, but um, you have to have meet a certain GPA. You have to have a couple of courses in a certain vocational program, and then of course to have a certain uh, SAT score as well. I didn't. I didn't get any of that. I was just good at football, and that was it. <laughs> and, and not I good enough. You didn't get a scholarship. Barely, I just nope. barely speak fine, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Well, you know, diving into the, like the interior design aspect of it, and your passion obviously has led you. Um, you 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 uh, started to go business for yourself. You, I think you mentioned four years ago, mm-hmm. um, and it's Kerry Brigham Design currently, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And talk talk to us a little bit more about the journey once you you decided to separate and go your own way and and do your own thing. Sure. So the interior design industry career working on these multi-million dollar projects it there's a long cycle involved and projects can range anywhere from two months to three to five years so every project is different every scope of work is different every design project team with the builder with the architect with the designer with the landscape architect with the engineer everybody has a sort of different um, timeline involved so most of the projects I work on are around a two-year turnaround from start to finish, uh, breaking ground to completion. So really there's never a good time to sort of part ways in the middle of a job, especially when you're an employee working for someone else. So you definitely have to be careful and, and respectful of who you're working for and figuring out what that right time is. Um, I sort of knew that I wanted to go out on my own, so I ramped down what I was working on for that firm and sort of broke away when I had the least amount of projects connected. So it was definitely an, a hard decision and really tricky timing to figure out when to break away. But you just have to do the right thing. And there's a little bit of a sort of a funny period when you break away. It's a very small town. People yeah. are very um, protective of what they have and so when somebody wants to go out on their own it's it's not an easy situation but you just I had to do what I had to do yeah we're in that business too in real estate everybody's very you know competitive I think that uh, because of you know obviously COVID-19 it's more about coming together and working together than it is mm-hmm. um, uh, you know of course that's my internal interpretation of what's been going on lately is help each other out. Everybody can be successful as long as you're good at what you're doing and, and you're working hard. Absolutely. So, but yeah, the business itself, I guess if you were to go back and tell yourself at the very beginning when you started your company, what would you do different now? Let's say, let's say it's an, uh, an uh, inspiring, uh, interior designer and, uh, it's you going all over again, basically. I, I mean, I don't want to sound weird, but I everything that I've done, I've thought really thoroughly through, and I'm super happy with all of the decisions that I've made so far just because I didn't knee-jerk any decision. I really took my time, thought everything through. Um, this is also sort of my second go-around at starting a business. When the economy crashed in 2009, I had no choice but to sort of open an LLC, get the resale certificate, and kind of go through the motions of that elementary version of opening a business. So 
I did that one time. I knew that it wasn't the right thing at the time, so I, of course, closed that and then continued on working for other people and still um, continued to learn from other people. So I definitely, I was working for, I don't know, eight, eight or nine years before I decided to open my own business. So I felt like I had made every mistake in the book and I learned from all of the different lessons that I had gone through over time. So when I opened, I was ready. I was super ready. I believe it. So are you seeing a lot more interior design on new construction homes, would you say? Um, as compared to previously, I mean, the best sort of scope of work is new construction. And I don't even know how it would be possible to build a new home without an interior designer at the level that we work at. Of course, there's... Um, new construction homes where you're working with a production builder and they have a design center and you can choose A, B, or C right. for all the different options. And then, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have a designer for that sort of process if you have good taste and you know how to complement colors and know what textures are, know what design styles are. Um, but for the, the amount of investment that our clients are, are investing in these homes, I don't know how you could possibly do it without a designer. There are huge decisions and huge dollar amounts that go into each decision that have to be weighed. So to sort of be in the position to be able to spend millions of dollars on a home and then not invest in an interior designer to help mitigate issues, I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah. So, you're, uh, so you'd say a lot of builders work with interior designers? Yes, at the at the you know, one million and over mm -hmm. price point. Is that the majority of your customers or? Definitely. Our um, our minimum furnishings package starts at 250,000. And then um, sort of, I would say the, the lowest price point home that we work on is probably 1.5 to 2 million is the absolute lowest. Oh, wow. Well, the, you know, okay. So then walk us through uh, from start to finish. Somebody comes in here, um, uh, a, you know, prospective home homeowner who's purchasing a home or new construction, or to reno do do renovations. They mm -hmm. walk us through the process from start to finish. What what can they expect and in, in working with your company? Start to finish of starting the design project and finishing it. Mm -hmm. So I take a while, but um, okay. So in a nutshell, first of all, our clients are all ref most for the most part basically all referrals, um, word of mouth, our existing clients refer us to their friends or neighbors or people that they know are moving down. So we meet together, we figure out what the general scope of work is, we put together a contract, a proposal, we just establish a design fee, we establish the furnishings budget, we come to an agreement, and then we hit the ground running with um, onboarding and concepting and put together a design um, concept as my position in the company is creative director and owner. So I have a couple of designers that work with me and then a, a staff that supports us as well. So when we establish the design direction, then we go into um, a series of events. We have a whole timeline and uh, a plan that we go against. So if it's new construction, then we start on the general programming, space planning, layout, plans, drawings, lighting design. And then once we sort of button that up, then we go into um, exterior selections for new construction. So we establish 
what all of the finishes are for the exterior roof, wall color, shutter detail, driveway paver, drip edge, gutters, all of the exterior details. Then we work our way back inside and we continue out the interior finishes. So we'll have dedicated meetings for cabinetry design, millwork design, um, background finishes, so flooring. We'll have a specific meeting for the wood floor selection um, and any particular flooring details. So once we select everything, then we button it all up and we put it into a submittal pack package for the builder. The builder will then take that information, send it out to their subcontractors, and they'll price everything out. They'll come back and say, everything's over budget. <laughs> and then we say, well, what do you want to reduce the price on? And then we make reselections or substitute. And most of the time they say, OK, let's just go for it. Um, so then the, the design is completed for the, the construction aspect. So the builder will get started. And then we drive into the furnishing space. So then we start and we uh, curate a whole house of furniture selections. And then we go through all of the details for each piece of furniture. We select fabric, nail head, wood finish. How do you want the cushions to feel? Do you want a lived-in look? Do you want it to be more tailored? So once we go through the entire furnishing selection process, then we go into pricing. And so we price everything out. We put it on proposals. Then we get approval. We order everything. And then we wait for months and months and months for things to come into the warehouse. Then by that time, the construction is completed. And all throughout that time period, we're checking in on site. We're going over tile installation details. It's sort of a very organic, multifaceted process where a lot of different things are happening at once. We install the furniture. We decorate. We accessorize. We hang the art. All the light fixtures are installed. And then we are done. Wow. That's a... That's a <laughs> That's a process. It is quite a process, but I mean, you know it down to a T. And you know, when you talk about certain project uh, products and things uh, hitting the warehouse, like how has how has COVID played into that? Have you had people that you know items that weren't available anymore, or so it's been sort of going in in a a weird sort of cycle. So at the beginning of COVID, everybody was like no, we're not affected, we still have plenty of inventory, we're selling things now, we're still shipping, we're still open, our sales reps are still available. And then probably around August, September, I think everybody was really just marching forward and placing orders, and then all of a sudden the supply chain sort of broke down. So I think that around September, October, people have been starting to say, like, oh, the lead time's a lot longer, um, I've been hearing more recently that fabrics are becoming more and more unavailable. The mills are shut down. So it's sort of here and there. I mean, we've, I would say like 80, 20, 80% 80 of our orders have been really um, good so far. And then 20% randomly will be like, oh, this isn't available. Wow. With, uh, you know, a, a thousand people, as they say now, are moving to Florida despite the pandemic to get it, get away from the big cities like New York, Chicago, L.A., especially L.A. or in, in California. Man, I feel so bad for those people. But um, are you seeing an influx in business or is it getting? I would say absolutely. I mean, at, at when we're hired, we're sort of the last ones of the group to sort of feel the rush 
So the realtors are definitely informed at the forefront of a mass exodus of other places and people moving here. So um, the realtors are definitely learning about the, the influx first, but then I feel like if people are at this stage, I feel like people are not jumping into renovations. They just want to live here. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, so we're I wouldn't say that we're having like a huge influx currently of new projects, but I know it's coming. Right. So we're we're sort of at the end of the cycle of the rush. So I would say probably in another six months I'm sure we're going to be absolutely slammed. Now I've noticed a lot more um in homes that I've been showing people is the the color of flooring is lighter everything's lighter whiter like sandy look um but then again you know four or five years ago everybody wanted the dark wood floors they wanted darker countertops they wanted so are you seeing more is that is that sort of something that just kind of flips pops back and forth or do you think there's going to be some kind of new trend because right now i'm seeing like a lot of the grayish flooring Mm -hmm. grayish color getting installed so are you seeing more um of a lighter look coming up or are we reverting back to more of a darker look? That's a great question. I am always sort of on the hunt and looking for what the different trends are. And um, over before COVID, I felt like there was a trend where people just didn't care about the trend and they just wanted whatever they wanted and we could come up with a concept. I would say in general, um, people in Florida really appreciate a Florida feel, light, airy, fresh. They don't want to feel hot when they get here, so the cooler tones, gray and white, kind of just makes it feel fresh and and cool temperatured. And uh, so, in general, I would say that has a lot of staying power. Um, but the higher you, the higher end you go in design, I would say the less trendy things are. So, um, a lot of our clients have three and four homes, so. They want their Florida home to feel like Florida. They don't really want their their Florida home to feel like their other homes. So their other homes are typically darker up north. Mm-hmm. So they just naturally gravitate to a lighter feel down here. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So when you when you sit down and do your consultation with your clients, do you ever have, and I'm sure you do, do you ever have them say, I want my home to look like I'm at the beach? The Hampton kind of look, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, we definitely hear... It de- so it depends. Our clientele, they have a very specific point of view, and most times they don't want to do anything to do with the trend. But I would say, again, in general, home decorating, maybe if you're not working with a designer, we are still doing a coastal-inspired or coastal-referenced look, but not literally. So yeah. we're trending away from shells or coral motifs or... Um, you know, all the kind of tacky coral, uh, coastal stuff, yeah. but we just sort of reference it with driftwood tones yeah. or, um, you know, the blues and greens. That's been going on for a while. I think that people are starting to get over it, but what other colors do you gravitate here? It's like the colors of nature will never go out of style. It's yeah. just a matter of how you put it together and where you put the color and texture. Now, have you had somebody come to you where it's like a pretty outlandish idea where you're like, that sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the weird, most creative or weirdest design you've ever had to do, if you can think of one? Most creative, most weird. I would say the more color, the more 
um, multitudes of colors or different tones of oranges and yellows and reds and blues. Um, I guess the more color you have um, between fabrics and art and background finishes, I would say the more difficult it is. It's not unattainable, it's not unachievable, but it's definitely more challenging than the average white, gray, beige, brown. So if you had someone come to you and say, I want my house to look like the rainbow. <laughs> be like, okay, it's going to be a little challenging, but yeah, we right. could do it. We try to make it um, the most sophisticated version of that yeah. as possible. So so do you, is there a preferred builder that, do you work directly with a, a builder in town and maybe even an architect? We work with several different builders, several different architects. Um, of course, there's that sweet spot team that we enjoy working with, but um, we are open to working with all different builders and all different architects. That's good to hear. Let's talk about um, your team actually um, coming here. I noticed that uh, they are on top of it. They they greeted us. You know, we got water. They're very welcoming. She's on um, on top of the tech te technicalities in here. Uh, you know, t let's talk about your team. What what keeps it going for you? So my team started off very small. Even I mean, we're still a small team, but I started with one um, one person working with me, and she sort of was my right hand person assisting but also working on different operational efforts and getting the office design studio sort of up and running um, and placing the design orders and as I gradually become be, uh, as I gradually got more and more clients more and more projects I needed additional assistance so we went from two people to three people and then four people and then five people and then four people so we kind of have grown and shrunk a little bit as we've as we've gone for the last four years but at this point I finally have sort of the dream team I have an administrative account uh, account representative and she does all of our order processing and contract documentation and um, sort of billing and payment all the money sort of side that I like to loosely oversee <laughs> and not be so involved in but um have Jessica who's doing that she's actually working from home um, and then we have Savannah who's our project coordinator she's at the front desk greeting clients and vendors and handling all of our deliveries at the front door and coordinating with our vendors to make sure deliveries from our vendors warehouses or shops or workrooms are successfully coordinated with the client or with the condo building and then I have um, another associate designer another two associate designers, and a design assistant, and then Rachel is our marketing coordinator. Wow. Yeah, full team here. That's awesome. And that's, that's just great. under our roof. We <laughs> also have our CAD tech um, who we keep very busy with all of the design drawings. We have our whole warehouse crew and team. Um, they're, they're subcontracted, but we work closely with them every day. We work with designer concierge, and he works with all of our art installations and sort of our our man on staff who kind of makes everything happen for us when it comes to muscles and just making it work. Um, and then, of course, I have a bookkeeper and my accountant, and those are all additional people that are a part of the team but not under this roof. So when your customers come here, the point is they're in very good hands. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of uh, fail-safes there, a lot of people overseeing um, 
making sure that quality. And I've surrounded myself with people that know how to do what they do better than I do. And it allows me to continue and stay focused on the design aspect and business development. That's so. what we need. I made a TikTok video today and I, uh, it's pretty terrible. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've had, I've had this question. I've always wondered. Um, my mom was in interior design and probably for about half of her life before she got into real estate. Um, and I've always wondered this. I've never asked her this. So now that we're talking to an interior designer, um, I'm going to ask you this. So after you said like, usually it takes like around what, like eight months, um, on average to, to for, for the process to be fully complete. Now, do you ever have people that after it's done, they're like, you know what, this is great. But in a year from now, I want to change it again. And then a year from that, I want to change. Do you, do you ever have that happen? I'm, I was always curious about that. It's not, well, Typically, the start-to-finish process ranges anywhere from two months to two years. Okay, so yeah. I wouldn't put like, the eight-month mark. I don't know where I got eight months from. I, just, I think I threw that in my head somewhere. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just wanted, our, our main goal is to set expectations, and we are very clear <laughs> that nothing happens overnight, and good design takes time and money. So um, do people want to change what they've done in a year? I would say no. no. We've spent so much time developing the design and making it so that our main focus and goal is for our interiors to be timeless so that people don't have to go through this yeah. process anytime soon again. Um, I would say the soonest I've ever done a refresh was at five years. Okay. And that's just sort of restyling what they already have and maybe adding a few new pieces to the space or this one sofa got wore out by the dog or grandkids and so we'll replace a few items here and there but typically we're selecting and designing quality items that will stand the test of time will be durable and last a long enough period to at least last for however long they live in that house and then whether they move typically our clients will probably move faster than what they want to refresh their current home yeah, because I've always wondered because, of course, um, you know, some of the clients that, that pay more money that have, you know, the bigger houses, I've always wondered if they've wanted to they change their theme or stuff like that. I'm like, man, that could get expensive. With We'd, We did just finish a condo last year, and um, this is the first time that we've had a client sell their home for, for more than what they purchased and what they put into it. And then we're actually moving that furniture to another home. They just bought a larger home, so now we just have to reuse what we just put in into another gotcha. home and then add to it and then we're also renovating that space so the as we keep going forward um with our clientele they typically retain us for all of the projects in the future mm -hmm. and what's the furthest um do you mostly do stuff in town or do you do stuff like miami like all over the place in florida or do you stay more so in town so it's sort of um sort of all over the place, but our primary focus is Naples. We'll do projects out of town for existing clients. So we'll have done their home uh, here in Naples. Like for one client, I did their home in Sanibel and then their home in New Jersey and then their apartment in Manhattan. Wow. Or I did a, a spec house in Naples and then their family referred me to their family and um, we did a ton of, like, did eight condos in St. Thomas. So it's either oh, wow. here or really far away. <laughs> so what's the furthest away, would you say? I would say, um, I think the St. Thomas projects St. are Thomas. The, the furthest away we've gone. But we have the project down to a science, so it really doesn't matter where 
where the person is living, um, especially now <laughs> this last year has been an exercise in remote work. So we can really do the design process from here and execute it. Now, do you, you personally go on some of these trips? Did you get to go to the St. Thomas one? Yeah. So that I was pretty cool, huh? Five different times. Oh, wow. And then they wanted us to do a project in St. Croix. So we went there. One of the trips I was down there and he's like, oh, let's go to St. Croix. So we hopped on a seaplane and went over there for an hour. Wow. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. So it takes you places. Yeah. That's been, awesome. It's been pretty incredible. Awesome. So getting back into like real estate agents, is what, like I'm a real estate agent and we, we talked a little bit before about how um, you were talking about maybe performing a service for agents to where they can go in. Because I had a courtyard home. It was, uh, the floor was uh, porcelain tile, bright white, but the courtyard home, it was like, Nobody could figure out. You walk right in through the front door, and it was like you're in outside, and there's a pool, and there's a lanai. And so, so many people stopped by that home, and um, they just couldn't wrap their head about what to do with it. And all I could think about was, well, I could stage it, but the staging companies that I knew, uh, it wasn't worth it. One, it was going to cost me a lot of money, and I hadn't even had the sale yet. Um, and then I didn't know at the time about virtual staging, but you had mentioned that you might even go be willing to go on consultation um, to a showing. Right. So, of course, we're, we're sensitive to... Price point. Exactly. So if the home is at a certain amount, um, and I would say this goes for, I think that any designer might be open to it, depending on what price point they're used to working in and what they want to continue working on. But I would be happy to... Um, meet a realtor and a homeowner at a home just in, in an effort to help close the sale. But also, um, our skill sets are different. So I can help a client really visualize. I can go into a space and say right away, like, we need to do this, 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 and this. And um, also figuring out what they want out of the space and, and try to help sort of allow the clients, um, the customers, imagination to sort of open up and give them the right visual terms to allow them to sort of see themselves living in there and and also the reassurance that it it's going to be a project to get there but it's do, totally doable and i got a 2.7 coming to market soon uh, a buddy of mine and maybe we we'll, might have to reach out to you i think that's an awesome idea if i'd have known back in the day i mean it wasn't it was you know half a mil but uh, maybe I would have reached out to an interior designer to help visual. Because I mean, I have I don't have the eye. I'm like, hey, do you like it? Right. <laughs> and if we can, Publix is really close, and so is the comedy club. Uh, you know, uh, countertop. Yeah. So I'm sure you could work with a GC to get that fixed. But yeah, having an interior design to to, to uh, you know visual help them visualize it would would be immense. What is one uh, if you could think of it um, a common mistake that realtors make all the time that um, you wish you see it time and time again. You're like, man, I wish they didn't do that. At at what part of the transaction or a, any or or? I mean, you know, a lot of our audience is uh, licensed real estate agents, but I'm sure if they had a little bit of tidbit, you know, any kind of knowledge that you can give, where you see a common mistake and you're like, man, how do they not know that? That's a super good question. Uh, one. Thing I find myself wondering is a lot of the the real estate photography um, and videography is becoming more and more popular. 
the staging of the photography, if you spent like two more minutes, <laughs> you could really get a room looking so much better. I always see like weird towels in different spaces or lampshades super crooked or just really funny things that could have been fixed in like two seconds if the if somebody just kind of looked at the frame and saw what stuck out so that your eye doesn't go straight to a crooked lampshade. Yeah, staging is is very a very big thing. I've seen properties get sold with great staging and I've seen beautiful properties not get sold with horrible. Uh, for example, I was in a I had a showing two weeks ago and it was a beautiful home. It was like six hundred thousand dollars, beautiful home, um, new newer updated but when I walked in um you know it looked great but then when I looked at the pictures I saw like I think it was like a Uncrustables like wrap like somewhere like on one of the tables and I'm like nobody you didn't as a real estate agent you didn't see that like that peanut butter and jelly Uncrustable like wrap and then there's like a little Ben and Jerry's like ice cream thing kind of like in the corner of the kitchen I'm like okay everybody knows ice cream goes in a freezer why (laughs) that thing's got to be empty or old or like you don't you guys right. don't see this stuff going on because that it and i'm sure you guys are investing money in the cost of the photography oh yeah the oh but so you'd be surprised that some people just i saw a five hundred thousand dollar you know 550 one of mine I, the, the client actually I'll, I'll come out and say it the client fired me um didn't realize all i was doing for him and uh it was actually that courtyard home so he fired me initially and then he uh he this other guy sold him on a bag of goods and was like, hey, you know, I, I do this and do that and do this. You know, I have a $500,000 listing down in uh, Naples Park. Anyway, they they decided to give it to him for a few. You know, we, you know, like Hurricane Irma didn't play a part in my <laughs> transaction and all of that. But whatever, I'm not going to pick at it. But he went and I saw when he relisted it. First of all, they wanted me to give them the videos that I paid for and the photography. And I said, no, I'm not. No. And then second of all, when he did list it, you know, he, he took pictures with a cell phone. And the first picture was like of a swamp in the neighborhood. I couldn't believe this to save my life. And I was just, I was dying. And I was like, okay, all right. You know, lo and behold, and he wasn't doing any open houses. He wasn't doing anything. And um, he made an excuse, oh, there's a gate at the front, so you can't even do open houses in here. By the way, that whole block is how I came up with Doors Open Connect the platform to begin with, oh. every house in there, every other house was at one point an open house. And I'm like, okay. Anyway, they ended up firing that guy and then they hired me back and I did eventually get it sold. But the biggest problem that we had on that house was we people couldn't visualize the layout. Mm-hmm. And um, I really wish that, uh, obviously I knew about you or virtual staging and, yeah. and would have did a much better job. But yeah. And homes, homes sell much faster when they're, decorated beautifully inside mm-hmm. um like i said we both have seen big fancy nice houses that you walk in there and you're like oh god they, they haven't updated this thing since 95 like we gotta this thing's never probably never gonna sell because nobody wants to live in 95 they want to live in what's the now what's now going right? forward um somebody mentioned to me one time um that people want to buy the lifestyle they want to come here and they don't want to sign up for a new project um so it's of course, it makes sense to sell a home completely furnished and ready to be enjoyed rather than go through the process. We make the process very enjoyable, but new buyers, new um, people that are looking to buy and move in right away are maybe not looking for that. 
that project. But um, and there's I should say that there's a complete difference between staging and interior design, boutique luxury interior design. So we don't we don't even offer staging as an option. So our business focus is to do new construction projects, large scale renovations and um, full home decorating and furnishing. You do a lot of stuff um, down like Royal Harbor, Port Royal, that area, I'm mm -hmm. assuming. Almost all of our projects in Naples are um, west of 41. Can you think of a, um, a really challenging project back in the day that, or even recently, that you were like, man, how am I going to pull this off? Or the customer was difficult and, and how you resolve that? Um, through time, you don't have to no names, but right, uh, yeah, just share with us. Um, so that is not an ideal scenario. Yeah, <laughs> and I try to do a really good job of vetting and um, getting to know the client um, and sort of reading signs or looking for red flags before I get involved. Before I sign up with a client, it's it's almost a it definitely is a two way interview. If I get certain vibes about people it just doesn't like work out um and so it, both people really have to come together to understand each person's point of view and goals for the project if our goals don't align it align it's most likely not a good fit um so i thankfully have very few difficult clients because i've done i've learned over time what to look out for and when sort of what and also, of course, learning from mistakes and having difficult scenarios over the last 12 years. So anytime I have those scenarios, I'm always like reflecting and looking back and figuring out how I could have solved that differently um, in the future. One big thing is to not react um, too quickly. If you get a, a weird email or something that you're not expecting, I always sort of like take it in and let it go for a day. And then I'll come back to it a day later just while I'm not sort of emotional about it that's smart yeah. I, I i've been doing that a lot lately i'm like you know what I'm, I'm, yeah. let me wait a minute i i you know five ten six, twelve or five ten you know years ago i would get emails and just be like the world's oh over gosh like how did this happen where did this come from like what did i do wrong how can i fix it right now and now i just know that like everything is resolvable we're not doing rocket science or brain surgery here we're just decorating homes <laughs> at the end of the day there's um, never been a paint color emergency now <laughs> so. in that that interview process have you ever had someone where you're like i just don't think we're gonna work out i can't help you like yeah. i'm sorry but i just it is we can't match up on the same vision uncomfortable um sort of thing to deal with as a business owner firing a client <laughs> <laughs> um Fortunately, I haven't had to fire a client recently, but, um, and of course we do everything we can to make every project enjoyable and, and completed. Um, every now and again, there's always a scenario. Thankfully, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but um, at the very onset of going to contract, um, sometimes people just might not hear from me. Right. <laughs> yeah. might not send the proposal out. Um I, I never ghost anyone. That's not the right thing to do. I'm not saying do that. But um, it's always interesting trying to figure out how to decline a project without, you know, 
being rude or hurting somebody's feelings. That's totally not the goal. At the end of the day, you just have to be like, it's not the right fit. I'm sorry. Yeah. So what would you say is the most either difficult part or time-consuming part of the interior design? Is it like the flooring, the countertops? Is it like the drapes? Is it maybe the coloring? Like what do you find that sometimes is the most difficult part to kind of narrow down and, and pinpoint? So, I mean, from my long spiel of the whole process, there's so many different aspects and and different points in the project where things can be difficult. I would say at the beginning, if you're aligned in your aesthetic direction and we, we know what the client wants, it's easy for us to make decisions quickly, effectively, efficiently, and you know, move the process along forward. As you continue on throughout the project, the more and more things are selected and layering on top of, if you're making any decisions out here, changes, right? Anything kind of towards the end of the process, you have to make sure it coordinates with so many different things that I think that could be probably a more difficult point in the project where 75, 80% of things are selected and you need those last final few pieces that... They have to coordinate with everything. Those are probably the more challenging decisions, but totally overcome. We're able to overcome that. So then the so then you're you're um you're showing the client as those pieces are coming in, like this is what we're gonna use type of thing. Have you had people say, No, 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 no that's not what I want. Do something different. Um, sure. I mean those little things come up along the way. Yeah. Um fortunately we try to um discover those issues before right things are purchased before it get before it's too late um, and I always say we have different checkpoints throughout the process that if we get you know so far along and then something isn't clicking then that's the opportunity to pivot or cancel but it's never a good idea to pivot completely yeah midway through that's sort of grounds for disaster but um, if you wanted to change like one tile material or one fabric in the whole scheme of things that's not a big deal okay so you know I know I I feel like I I definitely by this interview and talking to you um we pretty much nailed it down but assuming that I again this is our first podcast with an interior designer what would you say the quality I mean walking in these this office obviously is amazing but what what would you say separates you from any of the competition in so I would say our level of detail and dedication to a project. There are definitely times throughout this process that things can get hairy or um, people can be overwhelmed or frustrated and, and really don't understand how or why the project process takes so long. Um, Just, I mean, I, I could tell because of all everything that you mentioned earlier on, um, from the service, your team. What separates us yeah. is that we are so dedicated and we just won't stop. Don't stop. That's <laughs> right. And you never goes to client. Even, I mean. Even when it's difficult even and when I it, want to, we won't. Even when it's difficult. Now, uh, they should pay you for this, but I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, anything a million and under um, interior designer in town, who would you recommend? If you could think of anybody. Um, any- so, I mean, every business operates differently. I would say a million and under. I know some of the furniture stores offer 
free design service. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. But oh. they they kind of call it free design service. I've never gone through that process, so I don't really know exactly like, what it, what that entails or what that means. But um, designers are coming out of the woodworks, honestly. <laughs> Everybody's a designer nowadays. You can go on Instagram and um, really there's a ton of e-designers. I don't know what how reputable they are or what that process really feels like, but I would say under a million, I would look to e-design, and you kind of have to be a little bit more resourceful and scrappy when you're doing things at a at a lower budget. I mean, these our projects are it's unbelievable how much when you're doing a full project, fully custom, everything's made to order. It's unbelievable how much it all adds up to. What does e-design stand for? Um, just basically remote design work. Oh, okay. People okay. will um, connect over the internet, never meet in person, never see the space in person, but have the measurements. I think that's gotcha. what it I don't really participate in e-design, but I would imagine that that structure, pricing structure, would be less than our traditional luxury bespoke interior design service. I gotcha. Well, we don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, if there's anything else that you uh, want to let our listeners know, Anything that's important, anything coming up, um, packages that you're offering or, or warranties, if there's anything special like that during the holidays. Sure. Um, so if I could just let anybody listening know in the real estate world is that um, there's no harm in asking. I mean, anybody could pick up the phone and just kind of give an inquiry. And the more we all connect, the more we all collaborate, I think it is the better best for everyone that's right doors open connect <laughs> yeah connect um and that's what we're about is bringing people together and and um making things happen yeah. networking and organizing that's everything Stepping outside the box doing things a little bit differently than they've been done before mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep we're in 2020 now whatever that means i think it means a disaster but <laughs> i think that means everybody's <laughs> ready for 2021 looking forward <laughs> looking forward um go ahead and plug your business where people can find you your social media um your website sure we'd love for you to check out our website at carriebrighamdesign.com and we'd also love for you to follow us on Instagram at carriebrighamdesign. Oh, perfect. And do you do free consultations? Or how does that work? Um, so it depends on who the customer is. With realtors and developing new business, I'd be happy to meet with realtors on site in a, in a um, sort of free situation. However, I don't do free consultations with clients directly. Got you. All right. Well, Carrie, this has been an absolute pleasure having you on with us, and uh, we hope that uh, you got any big plans for the holidays for Christmas, family? I just had a, a big ordeal Thanksgiving, and I'm looking forward to a very quiet Christmas. Very, very <laughs> quiet Christmas. Uh, that doesn't mean business-wise, guys. Come, <laughs> yes. give, her, give her your business. All right. Uh, so, yeah, wrapping up here, you can follow us at Doors Open Connect um, on Instagram, um, TikTok. It's, and by the way, TikTok, it's Doors Open. It's doors underscore open underscore connect. Um, and we just got our first video on there, which I got <laughs> I got to change and edit. Is TikTok even still in? Man, you, we got to do it. I don't know. I don't know. We got to get better at it. Everything, <laughs> apparently. Um, we're also, you can find us on Facebook at Doors Open Connect LLC. Um, we greatly appreciate everybody for supporting us and showing us support and uh, sharing. If you find value in this, please share, uh, spread the word. Um, if you're looking to uh, design um, your own home, definitely uh, 
you know, or if you know neighbors or friends or family looking into doing it, go ahead and share this podcast with them and then check out all of our previous episodes. And by the way, this is episode number 30 for us and we're ramping up. We've got all kinds of goodies coming up here in the new future, in the future, um, with lots of amazing guests coming, uh, pretty, pretty excited. So, um, thanks again for tuning in, uh, Stay with us and please support and share uh, and leave reviews in, 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 in the comments. You can always email us too at doorsopenconnect at gmail.com. We're starting to get a lot of requests, uh, requests to be on the podcast. Um, just send us a little bit of a bio about yourself, your business, um, what you'd like to talk about and discuss, um, and we'll uh, do our best to get back to you as soon as possible. Um, if you have any recommendations uh, on getting people, professionals or local businesses on the podcast, we would also greatly appreciate uh, referrals there as well. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Deshaun Robinson, and this is my co-host, Ricky Haas. And until next time, we'll keep your doors open so more deals are closing.